Hello and welcome to the Rest is Football uh, question episode with Alan Shearer, Micah Richards and uh, myself, Gary Lineker. Um, we're going to crack on um, straight away so that we can answer as many questions as possible. Matt Hayes asks, do footballers intentionally get suspended to have Christmas off? There's always suspicions, aren't there? I've, been for, I've, ne- I've certainly never done it because well actually never got one book in let alone five whatever you need <laughs> it's i think it's been known to happen hasn't it i think if it happens over three or four years at the same time then you have to start and look at suspicions and that that has happened with some some players um i mean you can never say for definite but amazing how it always happens yeah <laughs> Do you know any, Micah? You know, I would love to tell you an amazing story about players doing that. But this is one thing where, no, there's no one I could genuinely tell you that has done that. And that's the honest (laughs) truth. We talked about um, Neymar in the main pod having certain clauses in his contract to get to the Rio Carnival and stuff like that. Um, likewise, we don't know whether that's true as well. And I mean, no player's going to tell you they did it on purpose anyway, if that is actually the case, is it? So, I mean, there's been rumours about players over the years. Some players always seem to get injured around the Christmas period <laughs> or, or get suspended around the Christmas period. But I'm not sure if that's entirely the case. A question from Theo Richards. Did you always have a plan after football to get into media? All three of you have kind of done it in different ways. Would you have any advice to nearly retired players that are interested in getting into the media? Well, that's, that's, that's a good question. I think we'd, we'd, I actually always through my career knew exactly what I wanted. Well, when I say always through my career, probably from my mid-20s onwards, thought I want to go into television. I also thought that I, I wanted to go into presenting because I thought if I could crack that as a player that's played at the top, it might give me a bit of longevity. Um, and so it has come to pass. Um, uh, but I, I went into it by, I wrote newspaper columns, wrote them myself for the um, Observer. Then I went into radio, um, both doing punditry and presenting on radio. And I think if I could give anyone advice, if you, you know, it's, it's obviously, it's very competitive now, but to get into the business, basically just score a load of goals for England. And then, <laughs> then, then you'll get offered a job. <laughs> I always thought I was going to go into management. I mean, I always was going to do the TV for a two or three years and then go into management. But, um, but you were shit. I'm still here. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, dear. Oh. Uh, what do you think, Creaso? <laughs> oh my god, that's brilliant. Um, yeah, I know I didn't want to I didn't want it to come into media. I hated media, I hated journalists, I hated everyone. But Ben North, do you remember Ben North who used to look after the talent and yep. used to do match of the day too and football focus? I just inspired by what he told me and what I could be doing and the people I was meeting. So I met with him, then I met with Steve Rudge, and then I did Football Focus, and I absolutely loved it. And then it just spiraled from there, and and now it's like the best job in the world. So if it wasn't for Ben North, I would never be doing punditry. So shout out to Ben North. Yeah, we've got him to blame. Um. Got a lot of answer for that, Ben North. You keep laying him across the six-yard box. <laughs> right. 
A question from Taran. In your opinion, what position has evolved the most in the game and could you play the modern version of your position, e.g. more tracking back for strikers, etc.? Well, I, I'm not sure there's more tracking back for strikers. I think the, the work now for strikers is done just higher up the pitch. So you don't have to actually track back um, with players. But I think it's the intensity of, of the immediate press, which, you know, I certainly played that style of play with Terry Venables quite a lot. I mean, it's quite easy to adapt to, Alan, wouldn't you thought? Yeah, I mean, I, I said it a few weeks ago when... Um we were speaking about Terry Venables, um, how he used to press, how he used to have different systems and games. Um, so it's not it's not as if this press from from the front has just been invented, you know. It did it did happen many many years ago. Um, yeah, and I did it with. Uh, I mean, Chris Sutton did most of it and dropping back into the midfield for a, as the forwards had to do to make that extra numbers up. So. Yeah, you you could evolve into your position. No, there's no doubt about it. Fullbacks have evolved the most to positions though. When I was at the play fullback, the fullbacks I mean, in your time wasn't really allowed to go unless you were super super technical player. Stay on the halfway line. Now you've got look at Spurs fullbacks on Doggy and Poro. The playing as two number eights when they've got the ball that would never happen. Back in even my days, never mind. Probably That's not long ago. Could you could you have played as like an inverted fullback? No Monica? chance. I, I was not. <laughs> <laughs> you can't receive the ball in a half turn, clustered in midfield, and then look for a pass. No chance. No, no. Not, I need I know, need to play in front of me. You know Trent Alexander Arnold. Um, <laughs> Alan, this question for you here from Stevie. Is it a true story that when Alan Shearer was sponsored by and drove a Jaguar car, that he stormed into the dressing room livid that someone had stolen the lion from his car? <laughs> is, is there any truth in that? Not that I can remember. Oh. Who's made that shit up? I don't... Uh, Stevie. Never heard that. Never heard that, Stevie. Stevie Gerrard. So, no, no truth in oh that's a shame that's very disappointing um, Edward 10 Wickstead asks loving the pod fellas thank you very much with the holidays coming up I was wondering whether you had any funny stories from club parties during your time as active players we were just on about that the other day I was talking to because um, I I went into a pub before the game in, uh, in midweek last week Newcastle Milan with Righty, I took Righty because Righty came up to the end game. So I said, come on, we're going to go and do it as what the fans do. We're going to go up to a pub and we're going to walk up from the pub up to uh, up to St. James's Park. And it reminded me when we were on a Christmas party, on a fancy dress, Christmas party, lads out at, uh, at Newcastle. We were walking through the town centre, the city centre, <laughs> and there was 25 of us. We ended up having two chutch in a fucking shoe shop. Can you... Can, <laughs> That's not easy to say, again, Alan. Again, two again, touch in two a shoe touch shop. In a shoe shop. Can you imagine if the, the headlines now is that yeah. a group of drunk Premier League footballers walking through the city centre and having a game of two touch in the shop? <laughs> it just wouldn't happen, would it? In fancy dress. Well, I think that's a credit to you, isn't it? People say, look at that. Even on a night out, they want to train. <laughs> oh, my yeah? God. oh, yeah. Mad. Yeah. Micah, you. Oh, you no. My, my Christmas. Parties are not for the podcast. The <laughs> <laughs> Come on, where's the festive spirit? No, that's not, I mean, no. It, the, 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 oof, I just, it's just bringing back memories. And it's, 
Whatever. He's starting to sweat. People, Look, I can see the sweat on his the forehead. Thing, <laughs> the thing is, though, when you talk about parties, you think it starts so civilized. You go for a dinner, and then what ends up happening? You're always sat next to someone who you don't want to sit next to in the in the fucking dinner. And then Pablo Zabaleta, was it? Yeah, pretty much Pablo. Did he did he creep in and steal most of your main course? <laughs> <laughs> when we get in Zamorón, we need to get him on. We need oh, to iron yeah. out a few things. I'm sick oh, to that death of this. That is a great idea. Let's make that happen. Yes. Um, but then you, you're at dinner and you just end up with someone who's a snores fest or wants to talk about, like you want a Christmas, but you don't want to talk about football. You want to talk about, I, I don't know, something that's worth talking about. I don't want to, like we've done football. Let's let our head down a little bit. And then by the end of the night, you're with your little clique, aren't you? You know, the, the, the drinkers, the troublemakers, <laughs> you know, the, the headline Speak makers. That, that is, that's where you end up. But when this question, I was looking, no matter which way I go to the story, it gets somebody in trouble, so I can't tell them. <laughs> oh, how disappointing. <laughs> uh, Ryan asks, what player outside of the league would you like to see play in the Prem? That's an easy one. All Leicester's players. <laughs> um, having said that, I was wondering the other day, that it's kind of fun being in the championship, particularly the way Leicester going at the moment, and you win a lot of football matches. Should the team that wins the championship be allowed to keep all the money that you get from the following year in the Premier League, but stay in the championship? <laughs> so if you win the title, you can elect to just stay in it. It's quite fun. But the trouble is you really, because what will happen, you, you're desperate to, to win the league or get promoted. Then they get promoted. It's like joyous. And then the, the bloody Premier League season starts and you hardly win a game. <laughs> yeah, it is difficult that, isn't it? Especially you look at the uh, the three teams, this particularly this season. Um, I mean, it, it, I know that Luton are giving it a right good go, but... It's difficult, isn't it, when you're used to your teams winning every week or most weeks, and then you come up and get smashed most weeks in the Premier League. But we've not we've not actually answered the question though. Did you say which player? Did you say which player? Oh, true, yeah, go true. on. We should answer yes. the player, Mike. Go oh on. yes, go on. Uh, I like uh, Piro at Leeds. He's like a striker, number ten. Really intelligent. Really good on the ball. Can play number ten. Can play number nine. Links to play well. And he's been excellent for, for Leeds this season. So I'm going to say Puro. I'll throw one in. Um, Steph Mavadidi um, at Leicester, who's um, had a, a, a terrific season, plays wide on the left and he can beat a player. It's interesting with those sort of players, whether you see them adapt into the Premier League. And that's, that's always a question mark. But um, hopefully in about eight months time, we'll, we'll find out. Let's take a break. Welcome back to the Rest is Football Question Time uh, with Alan Sheeran, Micah Richards and uh, me, Gary Lineker. Question from James Boschel. I know the Republic of Ireland is not doing great of late and have limited resources playing top tier football. If any of you guys had the power to point any manager that's in the media available... Who would you select? I presume he means for the Republic of Ireland, doesn't he? Um, in which case, the obvious one would be Roy Keane, wouldn't it? Tell us some inside information, Micah. Has he got any inside info for yeah. us? 
I can't tell you that, you know. I can't Speaking tell you as that. his minder. <laughs> <laughs> Kid Money said he's taking me as. Honest <laughs> to God. Um, you, you know what? I think Roy obviously would be a great fit, but he's, he's so good at, at punditry, or he's so well-liked. People like his punditry. I love his punditry. Some people don't like his punditry, but he's so well-liked within the media. I don't understand why you would take a job. It's like you, Al. He's not had a job for, what, 10 years. He was at Newcastle. It would be very difficult now to just go in a changing room and think things are going to be the same now to 10 years ago. That's the only thing I would say on it. What, what about you, Al? No, I agree. totally fair? agree with that. Yeah, I think uh, he is an obvious choice because of who and what he is, then then yeah. But yeah, it's when, you, when you've been out a long time, I think it'll be very, very difficult to go back in and adjust um, as you have to nowadays because there's no doubt about it. Management is different now to what it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. You have to be different. James Long asks, most underrated player you played with for their impact on the team, even if it wasn't always recognised? It's always hard with underrated ones because sometimes there's a reason they're underrated. <laughs> I would say someone like Gary Mabbott. I think I've mentioned him before on this show that I consider, you know, he, he was full on diabetic and played, you know, injecting himself three or four times a day and all that sort of stuff and got out there eight out of 10 every single game, you know, playing any position pretty much across the back and in midfield even. Um, primarily as a central defender though so I'd perhaps say someone like that another player that you, you, I think when they ask questions like that I always think of really good teams with squad players that perhaps don't always play every week but can fill in in different kind of positions uh, Kevin Richardson remember him yeah, Everton yeah. way Sunderland. back in my time um, he kind of popped up and played lots of times in different positions uh, was put in a performance I think um, I was at Newcastle with David Batty, you know, and I don't and, and Blackburn, and I don't think people realised how good a player he was. I mean, he was hard as they come, got around the pitch, and and could really. It was a really really good passer. Didn't score a lot of goals, but did everything else really well. That's a great shout. That I remember Leeds, 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 Leeds. Yeah, I seen him in Leeds uh, a couple of times when I was younger. Because uh, he, he, they train at Four Parts, didn't they? Mm. And I went to Weatherby. So I always used to see him. And he always used to be like really nice, well-mannered. He didn't really smile much. But <laughs> when he said hello to him, he was like really nice guy. Good I'm going to go Gareth Barry. Because yes. whenever Man City won the league or won the FA Cup, his name never gets mentioned. It's always the spine of the team, which would be Joe Hart, company, Yaya Torre and Aguero silver but Gareth Barry held us all together he was the glue he was the algorithm <laughs> uh, Michael Carrick is one of those isn't he I suppose I suppose when you know that that doesn't always you know people always go Man United they think of you know, Rooney and Skulls and people yeah. like that but he was he was terrific brilliant um, player he was yeah. magnificent player a question from Sarah Thompson I've heard that off the pitch, Romero is quiet and shy. Which players have you played with that have a totally different persona to what they showed on the pitch? Love the podcast. Thank you. Mark Hughes. Mark Hughes, really quiet, really timid, particularly when he was young. He always seemed to be quite shy and, well, until he'd had a couple of beers. <laughs> um, 
And I would say him, he transformed as soon as he crossed that white line into a kind of like really tough, competitive, backing into people, um, very aggressive footballer. Different from how he was off the pitch. Francis Benali at Southampton. He could kick he was people. One of, he, he, honestly, he was, or is still, so quietly spoken. One of the nicest guys you will ever meet. One of the most politest guys you will ever does meet. Does amazing work with charity. Does amazing work with charity yeah. and is such a great guy. Once he gets onto the football pitch, he would have no hesitation in killing you. He's that bad. That's a great one, man. I'll go Tevez. Carlos Tevez. He didn't say boo to a goose off the pitch. Didn't learn the language. Couldn't care less. But on the pitch, he was like a little bulldog running around. And then he had the whole thing about Fergie, you know, when we won the league and all that. He's just, yeah, he was, I would say, Carlos Tevez. I'll, g- I'll give you one more. Luis Suarez. Oh. Met him a couple of times. Really, really, really nice. Lovely guy. Obviously had his moments on the pitch. Yeah. He liked to nibble every now and again. But, um, but really, right, super guy. Because, yeah. you, you know, you think off the pitch anyway. So I've got a question from Nazrul. Uh, what are your thoughts on the increasing role of analytics in football and how do you find the right balance between data-driven insights and the human element of the game? I think we're talking algorithms here. <laughs> uh, so what do we think on that? I suppose it helps because you, know, you, you both do analysis on a regular basis and, it's, and we use the data and there's more stats involved in football. It's kind of the Americanization of our game in, in a way. And I think also stats have changed massively because of really and seriously fantasy football i'm not a massive fan of the the xg one um i think (laughs) think. the uh, analytics in the game are, are really good for pundits and to give it can give you a wider context of what's going on because we watch football with our eyes we can tell you what's happened but you know when you've got the stats that backs up your point i think it's really good but this xg one i've never been able to get my head around it so you've got a person, say, will take a shot from everywhere or the shot or the, the shots recorded from goals or whatever there has been or shots around certain areas. So if Ronaldo or Messi or Mbappe within them positions, it's completely different to a Michael Richards. And I've just, I can't get my head around that because... It's all algorithms. It's all algorithms. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the one that, I mean, yeah, I agree. You, you can place and do with stats whatever you want if you want to make them for positive things you can if you want to make them negative you you can the, what, what what i always laugh at is have you seen this one that comes up on the tv now the win probability oh god i know <laughs> you, a team's three nil up and they go yeah. oh it's an 80 90 percent chance to win the game you don't say <laughs> yeah uh, we shouldn't we shouldn't mark it's the future it's the future last question it comes from mark if ten hog could select two Manchester United players over the last 30 years playing in their prime to take Manchester United to another level, who would they be? You could pick any two players from the last 30 years to t- that would take United to a next <laughs> level. Um, I think they need more than two players, but I see what he means. Well, Who'd Rooney would be one of them, wouldn't he? Yeah, Rooney and Ronaldo. There you go. Uh, no, Keane. <laughs> I reckon Keane. Oh, of course like, you do. Of course you Keen do. Or, oh, uh, Roy, did you Keen listen to the podcast Roy. this week? I gave you a little mention again at the end. I got you in the team. <laughs> you know why? Just because everyone's talking about the standards and whatnot. And McTominay was... <laughs> 
McTominay was captain the other day and he was leading by example. So if you had someone like a Roy Keane mould in there, or it could be like a, a Steve Bruce or any of the, the legendary captain for Man United, uh, Robson, Brian Robson, who could mm. just set the standards higher. I'm going for one of them. And then, yes, Rudy or Ronaldo, I'd agree with. That's it for question time this week. We'll be back on Friday. Goodbye from me. Bye from me. Cheers. Goodbye.